This is the Lazy Women Podcast. Panel with our co-founders from Lazy Women and Alice Rebel as well. <laughs> Thank you everyone for coming tonight. So I'm one of the few journalists that's actually been involved with Lazy Women and it's been it's been a great honor. Um, I'll be moderating the panel. Um, just quick introductions, I'm sure you already know. Uh, but uh, so we've got our co-founders. Uh, Lucy, Shofi, and uh, Luna. Um, Lucy is uh, based in Italy now. She's finishing up her PhD. Uh, <laughs> she's working on it. Um, she runs uh, the podcasts um, for Lazy Women. And um, she's um, also a filmmaker and activist. Um, and Shofi is uh, well, from Hungary, but now living in Paris. She's our editor-in-chief. Um, and she used to work for the OECD and has given many, many speeches uh, for different NGOs and have talked about topics that I'm sure she'll tell you about uh, in a few minutes. Uh, and with Dorina, um, she's in social work outside of the um, time uh, from Lazy Women. Uh, she's our newsletter editor, uh, based in Vienna. And then we've got Alice Cabell, uh, who is a uh, well, influential YouTube uh, content creator with hundreds of thousands of followers. Um, we've also got a book coming out uh, soon, um, Collapse Feminism, looking at how anti-feminist ideas and it filters through social media. Right. Um, so I was hoping we could essentially start off with kind of your personal stories about how you got into content creation and how you found feminism and decided to combine any of the two. Um, shall we start with Shurfi? You want to know it? Um, yeah, so I guess I always really loved writing. So from, you know, a very young age, I always had like secret blogs and um, many of them actually like one for poems another one for songs and then I got into um, music journalism during university I was involved with radio station and then basically because I studied politics I was writing a lot of political stuff for university and I guess um, there came a point when I realized that I'm doing all these like very structural, formal things, but um, there's something missing. The link between how I feel and what I'm going through and how it's part of the bigger problem. And I was writing about politics, but in a very like detached way. Um, and I guess um, the turning point really came when I moved back to Hungary and I started working for the opposition for a female mayor who is actually one of the only feminist politicians in Hungary today. And I think her approach to politics actually really inspired me um, with starting Lace Women. Um, yeah, this is how it started. 
Great. And uh, going now, you kind of um, you grew up in rural Hungary, right? And came into feminism or discovered kind of your ideas a bit later in life. So can you tell us a bit about your experience? Yeah. So I think I always had these feminist values, but uh, the in the year 2021, I just got into these social themes a bit deeper. And uh, it, it was about the same time when I joined uh, Lazy Women and also started a TikTok channel uh, about feminism in Hungarian because I realized that uh, this movement is not at all accessible for Hungarian women because uh, it's like it's too academic and also there are too much anglicism in the movement. It's too complicated to understand and I just wanted to create like content which is like uh, also entertaining uh, on TikTok to to make feminism more accessible for young women, uh, which was not the case for me in my high school years. And Alice, you come from academia as well, right? And you started uh, creating content. Uh... Yeah, so it's kind of interesting because my story of starting my own YouTube channel, etc., was kind of similar to you. It's the same thing as an ex-boyfriend kind of pushed me. <laughs> He said, again, join the Yeah. Amazing. Um, <laughs> so, yeah, that's how it started. Um, I started creating my own channel. And to be fair, like, when I started, I wouldn't, I was still skeptical of this term, like the word like, feminist, for example. Um, because where I live, I also grew up in a rural part of France in uh, Flanders, which is known to be quite conservative, right wing, etc. So, the word feminist was like, if I said, I'm feminist, are you a radical and extremist? Yes, I am. So I was kind of skeptical when I started, but then I started to learn more and more about it. I went to, I did a humanities degree, which helps because you get to uh, read a lot of feminist uh, literature, etc. I also had a friend who was a feminist badass, as I like to say, because she was like very, very vocal about her values. And I was like, at first it was kind of like, oh gosh, she's a bit too much, you know, she's like this sort of extremist feminist I had in, in my head but then I realized that you know she's just asking for basic stuff and I should too and that's how I started to you know be more confident with being a feminist an online feminist and I guess we can talk about it later yeah yeah. Yeah. Um, yeah I think for me it wasn't my own boyfriend but my family um, <laughs> because I did grow up in like a former mining town in an industrial town and um, it's always been about, you know, like the women just kind of jumping around like the father or like the grandfather and like, yeah, you come from work and then you take care of the kids and then you start cooking and you never really ask any questions or for any time off. And I've always felt really, it wasn't maybe at first about feminism, but a whole laziness idea, like, because I always felt guilty just like trying to sit down for five minutes, you know, and the mom would just come like, why are you sitting down? Like, don't you have anything better to do? And I'm like, okay, thanks. Uh, sure. I'm going to start cleaning now. Um, so it's always been like a big thing and I think I discovered that basically like rest and maybe your own like safe space and uh, time for yourself uh, started being like a really big part of my life since university where I also like started exploring it more for like artistic uh, means because I used to be a dancer involved in a lot of like embodiment uh, theatre groups and etc. But then also like uh, through research. I don't have a background in humanities but in social sciences so I'm a political sociologist and uh, I was involved in many activist movements and that you could really start seeing that mostly, you know, whenever there would be a protest or something, it would be a man on the speech, but like a lot of the labor that has been done to prepare the protest was done by women. So like this whole idea about invisible labor became quite a big topic for me. And um, 
and spend quite a lot of time trying to see what tools I want to use to start like making this more visible. And I experimented with many, and like cell making was one of them. So me and my husband actually uh, now we've been uh, filming many movements and really like trying to experiment with how to show the invisible labor behind like everything that has been created behind everything that has been done and really like focus on the preparatory stuff rather than the spotlights on the stage amazing and um let's talk a little bit about the issue of access access to information and access to kind of support when you're thinking about the content that you guys create how are you thinking about broadening women's access and getting them the information that they need when so much of the media is controlled by governments and people in power? Uh, I actually wrote an article about that, how rural women reach information and uh, the results were quite interesting. Like uh, uh, young females like under 30 from rural areas are reaching information through social media and not even uh, reading like online newspapers, but like following influencers and uh, just believing influencers who they feel they are valuable and they are credible. Uh, and that's how they get the information. And uh, they mostly can reach the information in the English language, which already limits the access of it. And yeah, that's, that's how I see this uh, development. Yeah, I guess with like um, social media, that's something I discovered too, is that I guess because I'm on YouTube and YouTube is becoming more and more, you know, used to more and more female content creators, uh, more diverse creators, but social media or like platforms like YouTube, Twitch, TikTok, etc. I mean, TikTok would be an exception too, were mostly led by men. So creating a space there was kind of not challenging, I would say, because like I wasn't too aware of that when I started. But once you start to get some attention, you see it. You see it in the comments, um, and it's not just like a, you know, like ninety percent of the the comments are written by men, which is kind of interesting. Uh, a lot of hate coming from men as well. Um, so that was interesting to navigate. Like once you know the videos start start to get recommended to uh, not just your followers, but people who might not agree with you, people who don't necessarily like you, and like how do you keep going? How do you continue to share the things you want to share? How do you get affected as well by what is you know, like the sort of feedback you get. And um, it is, it can be difficult. I've known some people who left those spaces because of that. So like being a female online, it, it looks like it's easy. Look at, you can do it. You can take your camera, film yourself and that's it. It's not that easy. That kind of brings me to the next question I wanted to ask actually. How do you deal with kind of harassment or trolls and people trying to bring you down? Yeah, as a feminist creator in Hungary, I have a lot of experience with uh, cyberbullying <laughs> and uh, online harassment from men, from mostly men. It's really hard to keep going, I have to say. Like, um, I'm not even that famous. Like, I have almost 10,000 followers on TikTok. It's not so much on TikTok, but still, uh, mostly I got comments from men like uh, sexualizing me, uh, objectifying me. <laughs> and uh, questioning my existence, basically. <laughs> I also got into uh, like a beef with some YouTuber, some male YouTuber, and uh, yeah, I made like uh, a lot of videos about me and their fans came after me and it was really hard to deal with mentally. Like I also got uh, comments about how I, even if I want to live in 
you know, like the dead spreads and stuff. So yeah, like how do you keep going after this? And uh, I think male content creators don't really get what we receive. They just say, yeah, they are just comments and uh, yeah, all of them are crazy and just, uh, yeah. But uh, I think it's, it's really different for female creators. Just um, sort of adding to this, but also like reflecting about lazy women. Mm -hmm. We actually haven't received that many hates. And I just want to say that just to like be honest. <laughs> um, and I think the reason is that you know a lot of people ask like why are we in english and why are we like mm. so international i think part of it is that it's like as long as you are like not going deep into like one specific framework or context you're kind of staying above the waters and we've been so far in that space but i think it's also because we are not that big yet so um i also think like reflecting on the question of accessibility accessibility should also be about you know like um giving a platform where you are not passive so access to information can also in my view improve by allowing people to engage with content in a much deeper way and not just like passively reading it because will you actually understand will you actually will that actually influence you and so this is why like on Lazy Women, we try to break these barriers down by, you know, anyone can write an article for us. Like you don't have to have any sort of background. You can come from any country, same with illustrations and that we just like really work with the person until it becomes like a professional looking piece. So I think vaguely this also has to do with accessibility. And yeah, just about the hate. We don't we don't really have experience with that in that context. But yeah, I, I left the Hungarian politics scene because of online hate comments we received for the for the feminist mayor. So yeah, well, it's tough. Hopefully, lazy woman doesn't get to the haters. But um, I'm sure it will. But yeah, I, I'm trying to focus on the the kind of positive, like how can we you know overcome this? Mm -hmm. But yeah. No, I guess like one thing to remember in those cases is also like the, the the support we get on social media, for example, and especially in my niche on YouTube. For those of you who, who don't know, I make videos on like social political issues through a pop culture uh, angle, and I'm not the only one doing this. And it's incredible like the the support we get from each other as content creators. So like we know that if we have an issue, if we if even like a male creator or someone said something that was good bad was did something that was uh, quite bad like we can talk to each other so it's great to know that we have the sort of support system and also focus on as you said like the positive like the likes the the the, the people coming to instagram etc um, that's also like the that's the positive side of it and it's important to keep that in mind but yeah it requires a lot of you know um you, you have to distance yourself from that sort of criticism and the the, the and as you said, like sometimes we do get, I mean, I, I've already gone like death threats, rape threats. And it's like, it's interesting because like, because I'm so used to it now. I mean, it doesn't happen every day, but like it, it does happen. It's like, I tend to brush that up. It's like, ah, someone who yeah. knows me dead. <laughs> um, but, uh, you know, like, and then I share it with friends and stuff. And they, their immediate reaction is like, oh, are you okay? Like, how do you feel about that? I'm like, 
yeah, maybe I should care about it. Like, <laughs> it's actually quite bad. Um, but yeah, I guess it's, it's part of the process, yeah. Yeah, definitely. And um, I mean, with the crowdfunding and everything that you're doing for Lazy Women now, um, you're essentially creating a media business, right? And when you're combining content creation and creating business, how are you thinking about independence and maintaining independence? Yeah, so one of the major things of why we're doing crowdfunding in the first place is that babies want to remain like a community environment, but like also community sustained. Uh, so since the beginning, we are completely refusing any type of uh, advertising and we want to keep doing that. Most of the advice we always got was, yeah, but you know, like media is always run through advertisers, um, but it's really like something that we think would completely compromise what we stand for. And even if we got some offers, we always uh, turned them down. And if something we want to keep doing, like this is like literally you can hear yeah. these offers for like alcohol companies always. Like, like, oh, you know, you're cute, like you can just promote whiskey. Yeah, sure. uh, yeah. yeah it, it's really strange. We're like really strange beauty products you yeah. like put into your bra so your boobs look bigger. <laughs> that was the latest. That was like, true. Yeah. Oh, we were told, like, oh, you know, just write to like Mattel, you know, like Barbie is big now, like they will definitely support you. And we're like, no, we don't want to. Yeah. Yeah, I, I think um, we are trying to come up with a model that is community-oriented. So that's why the crowdfunding is the first step in that. At the same time, like in the past three weeks, we applied to three grants. So, you know, like that's obviously going to be another source that um, we are applying to grants that uh, allow us to remain independent and don't require like a lot of control over the project. Um, or not. Yeah, so so I think um, it's gonna be hard, like not gonna lie, and we don't know how it's gonna work. But this is how we started it, and we really believe in it. Um, and yeah, I think I think the community should be the backbone of, of whatever we do, because we do it with them, and it's not like a clear separation. It's not like there's the community and there's us. Like we have volunteers joining us every single week, and. Uh, anyone can be part of the movement. So I feel like, yes, it's gonna be like a media. And as you said, like that involves like a business perspective, but we also wanna emphasize that we want to be a community as well. So it's a media and a community where the regular real life presence and um, community organizing aspect will become much stronger. Maybe just one more quick thing on this. Um, so we became a registered association in um, November 2022. And that was a big decision. Like, are we going to become a business or are we going to become an association? And we very much like unanimously decided for an association because we are cause-oriented. And this is literally the most important value for us. So that was quite clear. Yeah. Yeah. Uh uh, we got a lot of inquiries to join Lazy Women and I think the most attractive things about Lazy Women is that uh, you can get like a, a space to express yourself creatively and to not be like censored or something like to edit it or something and you can just share your experience throughout like a text or in an article or like visually in an through an illustration and uh, I think that's the freedom like people are missing from the world. 
And uh, yeah, we really hope that the crowdfund will be successful because we want to pay for that work. And I think many like freelancers are like too much dependent on the money and they can't just express what they feel and what they experience in the society. And um, I mean, I know how I built into journalism. It's, it's a formal, straightforward path. But um, for you guys, um, like when you decided you want to put something out there into the world, how how did you actually start? How do you go about doing it and motivating yourself that I'm going to start um, doing videos on YouTube and I don't know, like uh, going on TikTok and producing content? Thank you till we make it. <laughs> <laughs> yeah. No, I guess. Yeah, you learn along the way. Uh, so, uh, my first videos are completely private. Nobody can see them, and it's great. It's great. It's a service for society. Honestly, that I'm doing here. But um, <laughs> no, it's true. Like you start off and you learn as you go, and it's such a wonderful process as well. Because it's like you think. I mean, at least for me, like I thought I was doing it so right at the beginning. I was like, oh my god, this video is great. Like look at this editing, it's amazing. And now I look back on it, I'm like, how did people even click the subscribe button? Like. They are completely insane. Um, so I guess, yeah, like, uh, I don't know, it's, it's super inspiring to, to and to also like, to see other people doing the same thing as you and like growing their platform, etc. from scratch, honestly, because as I said, like, I mean, we have barely no connections and we are actually like putting ourselves in a world that we don't really know. Like for me, it's academia, I can know it a little bit, but the literary world, um, journalism as well and it's like ooh, it's kind of scary because like they don't treat you as like you know established media so you have to prove yourself and you have to show what you do and when you don't have all the credentials because you said like you you don't ask people to have like this diploma or this or that it's like well actually like look at my work like look at what i do it's great and still sometimes it's not enough journalists can be snobs yeah we just talked to one of our mentors in the other day and uh, he told us that our main strength is that we are not like usual journalists, so we can add our personal perspective to the discourse. Yeah. <laughs> and uh, I think too that this is our main strength. And uh, yeah, yeah. And I also think like the kind of caring work environment we are trying to create, and that we are constantly brainstorming about. It's like. Um, as you grow and you become bigger and more formalized and you know even like having a platform for 50 volunteers it's like quite a lot to manage like besides your full-time job so um how do you remain like truly feminist in your own principles and um that has been coming up a lot for lazy women and for us definitely like one thing that we didn't consciously think about is the fact that not having like hard deadlines is a feminist principle in itself um, because we know like how busy life can get how sometimes you're just like not in the mood to write to draw or you're to, too tired too, yeah. too tired you you had a bad day and how do you make space for that while also you know you have a double responsibility towards your audience as well um to like obviously show content so i feel like that's something we will definitely keep as we grow and we will you know try to have as many like discussions about like how can we actually establish a feminist workplace and not bring in like 
what we learned in our former roles necessarily. And I think that's, that's why we kept it as a hobby for so long, because we didn't want it to interfere with any of like the bad stuff. So um, yeah, I think it's going to be a challenge, but it's going to be good. But it's also quite a funny question because I mean, when we apply for all of these grants and stuff, like a lot of them, we never really know if to apply for like the activist, you know, community ones or for the media ones. And uh, I think we suffer from like a really big imposter syndrome often uh, in terms of like, are we actually like an actual media platform or not? Um, and in the end, we did manage to get a grant from the International Press Institute a few months ago. And we're among like 15 uh, European media that were chosen for this like transition uh, grant. And at first we were terrified because you're supposed to like go to Vienna and meet all of these like proper journalists. Uh, <laughs> and some of these platforms had like 60 million followers, you know, and things like that. It was just completely insane. Um, but in the end, we realized that we actually had a lot to contribute with. Like we were bringing in completely different feedback. I mean, Jeffy from like diplomacy, me from academia, you know, like we could really see so many gaps as like readers as well in the ways that a lot of these platforms were actually working. And it was, I think it was very transformational, but also like a really big confidence boost for lazy women because we really until then thought that maybe we don't really, you know, have a, have a show. And afterwards we're like, yeah, maybe actually what we do is valuable. We are bringing in a completely different angle and this is something worth um, sustaining. Right. Traditional media is there to be disrupted. Yes. Uh, Start with some change, I think. Yeah. Revolution. Yeah, exactly. Revolution. Yeah. And um, so finally, um, to go um, around, uh, what advice would you have to other female content creators? But this is this is a very difficult question. <laughs> what advice would they give to? Don't maybe don't be afraid to talk to other female creators because, like as I said previously, we are very supportive. So. It's not because like this person has like twice the amount of followers you have that they won't respond to you. Like in my experience, I've always been shy to like talk to other content creators, but yeah. usually the other ones talking to me and I'm like, you love them, they're amazing and they talk to me. Well, and it's like, yeah, they're super, super friendly, super supportive. So that's that would be one thing. And then do prepare yourself for for the the, the hate. Because like it's it can get pretty intense. If you feel like not looking, because we talked about community, etc., and like that's one thing to keep on, like to keep, you know, like stay engaged with the community. But sometimes it's tough because like there is the community, but there's also all the other people who watch your work and don't like it and won't say it in the most, you know, polite way, let's say. And that's also part of the community. Um, so you have to, you know, see that. So. I guess making sure that you engage with the community, but also that you preserve your mental health. So sometimes that's me not looking at the comments, taking some time uh, off or things like that. And uh, what else? Do it, I would say, <laughs> just yeah. do it. Because like we need more people. It feels like they don't, that now representation representation gaps have been like, uh, you know, that it's okay. We have a lot of more females on, on screen, but it's not. We can do better. We can do better. And the more experiences we get, the better. Because like when you look at it, it's still mostly white women talking, uh, pretty privileged is a thing as well. Yeah. So it's important to have like more and more diverse voices and we'll support them because like yeah. we love to support each other. So yeah. Um, I think my main advice would be a bit like, like you can hear it uh, often, but don't wait for the perfect moment with like anything. Sure. 
And I think we all struggle with perfectionism <laughs> in some way. And uh, we just want to publish everything until it's like more than perfect. <laughs> yeah, it's never gonna be like Alice said, like, yeah, you, you create the video and you feel like it's perfect and you look back, yeah, it's not, but yeah, it's it okay. was still useful and it, it still started a conversation and that's what matters and not that we over polish everything and uh, yeah we just yeah for me like language is a, is a big issue like uh, i don't feel like I, I speak for example english perfectly and i'm sometimes afraid that if i write something and i make mistakes it will be like the end of the world <laughs> but it's really not and i i really hope there will be more spaces for people to experiment uh, without like uh, perfect knowledge and perfect uh, degrees and stuff for, from my experience, I think the biggest learning has been to ask for help and ask for the support of other women. I've never worked with women before, lazy women. I was always kind of like the only, like the young intern, you know, like in the room. And it completely changes everything to um, do something in a collective. And if lazy women was just something that you know stayed in the same level as I started it as a blog where I wrote out my feelings it would have never lasted this long and there were so many moments when I kind of wanted to stop or I just didn't have time and there was always always the community um, and the other volunteers the other women around me who who lifted me up and kept it going and um, yeah I think as for help yeah I think I would come back to the question of disruption actually like for me it's it's about not doing things the way they have always been done uh i think it's about experimenting with different formats like it took me ages really to know what suits me and in the end it turns out it's everything from dancing to video editing to sound to whatever you know i mean like so many different things and i think there's a way for everyone to express themselves, but it can also be really small. Like I, I was really scared at the beginning and intimidated actually by lazy women, even though I was observing them from the distance, because I always felt that I don't have, you know, the one thing to contribute with, or like the perfect pitch to send. Or, and I just, I really like my imposter syndrome was just like taking the better of me for that. But actually, it's really it's the tiny things, even if it's like a reading group with your friends, even if it's some like small, low scale, local community organizing. If it's going to a protest, recording a tiny message, you know, on whatever TikTok, uh, even though I'm not there and whatever it will be. Uh, but, you know, it's the small things really. Like just start, try things out, uh, experiment. There's, there is a format for all of us. And I really believe that. Amazing. Well, thank you so much. Thank you.